Hello everyone, and uh, welcome to episode 2 of What's Poppin' with Zach. Uh, I'm recording this at 2 in the morning on Tuesday, so probably gonna put it up Wednesday, so if you're hearing this, you know, you'll be hearing it either throughout Wednesday or throughout the week. And also, for anyone that does not know me personally, I have set up a schedule. I'm going to release one episode during the week and one episode during the weekend just to kind of keep things consistent and also so that there's more episodes more frequently because I just, I really, really like recording. I just decided to record right now. I I don't have all that many plans to like in terms of what I'm going to talk about, but I just, I just like recording and it's like, I feel like it's going to become an obsession when it comes to me and recording stuff like this, especially when I get to recording music, because then I know I'm just going to, I'm never going to want to leave the studio and I like, I'm, I'm going to want to be there all night just recording songs, but it's about, you know, it's two days since I did the last episode, so not that much has happened. The only thing that I can say that did happen in terms of something that I talked about in the first episode was that just, I think this morning, or well, Monday morning, the 1975 released the official track list for um, Notes on a Conditional Form, and finally they put out the final official release date of May 22nd, which is like almost a whole month after the original release date, which was April 24th, which kind of bums me out, but at the same time, I understand they want to make sure the album is, you know, perfect, it's done, it's ready, and also they have to worry about, like, the vinyl pressings, so that's, I think that's been their main issue with getting the album out, but they also confirmed that this Friday, we're finally getting a song that's been teased since 2017 titled Jesus Christ 2005 God Bless America and to anyone that does not listen to the 1975 that may sound like a weird title for a song and it is but they definitely have like I guess semi equally weird song titles um and most of them aren't even like songs that are like released like there's even some songs like some of the song titles off of notes are like equally as weird as that like um having no head which is just I don't know what that could imply in terms of a song but the thing is the only reason that um Jesus Christ 2005 God Bless America makes sense is because the lyrics have been out for a while because they performed the song live before so and the song does talk about Jesus so it makes you know some some sense but um that's I mean I'm I'm just finally glad and also um they have a they have a huge bundle for the album which includes a t-shirt, CD, um, a cassette tape, and the vinyl of it, which I am getting, so, and I, I mean, I have, you know, I have ways to play it on CD, I don't have anything to play it on cassette, and I do have a record player, so, you know, two out of three isn't bad, but, um, the shirt is literally just a shirt that says, this is a limited edition, the 1975 shirt, which, I think is the perfect, one of the most perfect ideas for any musical artist in terms of merch designs, just literally putting on it, just this is a limited edition, insert artist name here, t-shirt, like that's, that's genius because like, it's so simple that you think that like everyone would have thought of doing it already, but yet I'm to my knowledge, the 1975 is the f- the first musical artist I've ever seen do something like that. So, I just find it, like, really... I find it funny, but it also makes sense for the album, because the album is, like, very, like, deconstructed. 
like it's a lot of like just raw sounds as far as what they've said about it in interviews because they've described it as like a nighttime record like because the uh they're a british band so they described it as like just a night out driving around like manchester england um and just kind of in your car just thinking and just listening to good good music and i guess that makes sense that they would say you know just you know listening to it while driving around because it does fall under their music for cars era which included their 2018 album a brief inquiry into online relationships and this album so you know that's it all it you know all comes back around um but um i've just recently i started adding a bunch of new music to a to like my library on apple music which by the way real quick i want to get into this um i feel like apple music should just be free for everyone that owns an iphone this is an argument that's been brought up before but it's like we're already paying for the phone and like you know the ability to call text facetime and like there's a million other apps out there that we have to pay for like especially like streaming apps like netflix hulu disney plus now amazon prime video so it's like why would you make us pay for a service that falls under your brand like i understand spotify because that's its own thing it's separate but like why do we also have to pay to listen to music straight through like their phones and like their devices i guess it's like a way of just like getting like direct like revenue in but at the same time i'm sure apple like they have apple tv now i feel like that's enough and i understand apple tv having to pay because it's like you're getting exclusive stuff on there apple apple music the stuff you find on there you could find on any other music streaming site or you could just listen to it on like YouTube or something. Or you could just go out and buy the music on CD or vinyl or cassette or whatever. Like, I think the only thing that they can say, um, well, I don't even know if they can still say this. I just know that they have the, like, they bought the entire catalog of uh, Beatles music which includes like all the like compilation albums, all of their official albums. And I think that's it. I don't know what else it would include. Cuz I know they're on like some of the uh like anniversary editions of albums. They have like the studio recordings and like various like mixes of it, which I don't understand cuz I've listened to the original versions of some Beatles songs and then listened to like the 2015 mixes off of the one compilation album and I hear no difference so if there's any like music experts out there that could tell me the difference between the two versions that'd be great so that maybe I could pick up on it but at the same time I feel like I really wouldn't but in terms of like the new music I added onto my phone because my I've just been, I want to get, like, more into just, like, different music, because I feel like I've always just, like, throughout the years, I've always just, like, gotten onto one genre and then stayed on that for, like, a year and then, like, moved to another. I'm really trying to, like, stop that, because, like, for the long, for the longest time, I, um, I just listened to rock music and... Like, it was, it was, it was, you know, mainly classic rock. Like, it was, like, a lot of, like, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, uh, CCR, um, Queen, you know, stuff like that, Guns N' Roses, and I just wanted to, like, listen to other stuff, so, like, I, I said in the last, uh, episode that the best way to break down my music taste is to start with the four main uh, artists that I listen to, which are Panic at the Disco, Green Day, Logic, and the 1975. And I feel like that that's still true. 
because um, I, some of the stuff that I added recently was Dua Lipa's new album, Future Nostalgia, um, The Weeknd's new album, After Hours, which both of those albums, I've listened to the singles off of them. I haven't listened to the full things yet, but I could just tell by the singles that they're like probably going to be some of the best albums I listen to. Um, I still need to listen to uh, the Love vs. the World 2 part of Eternal A Take by Lil Uzi Vert. Because I've listened, all I've listened to off of that is Myron. I haven't listened to anything else. But um, I added uh, some, I added a song by Rule called Dazed and Confused. I added uh, Hoodie Allen's album from last year. I forget the name of it. Uh, I added Alice in Wonderland's two albums. I added Rinks's album In Pieces from last year. And I'm, I'm going to stop right there real quick because I'm going to guess that most of you don't know who I'm talking about with some of these artists. Um, Hoodie Allen, I've, I've known about Hoodie Allen for a long time uh, since 2015 because he was on a song called Gibberish by Max, which a lot of you probably remember because... That song went like viral, like it was like everywhere, because the it had it was some sort of like collaboration with YouTube. The, well, at least the music video was. It was like a collaboration with YouTube for some reason. But it, you, I know you, some of you probably don't remember the song by name, but if you, it's the song where the chorus is literally just like it's actual gibberish. Well, not actual, because it's just, like, part, I think it's part of the song just, like, played, like, in reverse. So, if you don't, if you still don't remember it, just, like, look it up and listen to it. And, like, as soon as it starts, like, as soon as the vocals come in, you'll recognize it immediately. Because I, I, I re-listened to it, and I was just like, told, like, it still goes off today. Like, it's still an amazing song. And I definitely think that... I... Honestly, I might add it to my uh, nostalgia playlist that I have set up, which is almost at 200 songs, and I just set it up, like, not even a week ago. But I, I have a lot of, like, I have a lot of songs ranging from, like, say, like, Summer of 69 by Brian Adams to, like, Me and My Broken Heart by Rixton. And then, like, like take like the time frame between those two songs and just like every iconic song from in between that when it comes to like radio songs and just like stuff that people like were constantly listening to during that time that's my nostalgia playlist um but i want to get off of music for a sec because i just remembered um we are getting like no movies for the rest of 2020 <laughs> It like it just seems like everything is getting delayed. Like um Peter Rabbit two uh Morbius and then one other movie just all got delayed until twenty twenty one, which I think is a bit over exaggerative when it comes to how long we should expect to like not be able to go to like movie theaters. Like I don't think they needed to push it back like it almost an entire year. Because now Morbius is set to come out uh, March 14th, 2021, I think it said. Which, I mean, yeah, it's less than a year. But remember, we're still in March, technically. Well, by the time this is out, it'll be April 1st. But still, it's not like it's not like we're rushing to get to March of next year right now. And I was kind of looking forward to Morbius 2. Because I, I I honestly know nothing about Morbius. The only thing I know is that he is an enemy of Spider-Man in the comics. And that he is a living vampire. Which I don't even know. I still don't quite know what that means. Living vampire. But I was excited for it. Like a lot. Like I was like really excited for it. Especially after I saw the trailer. 
but then I watched Venom because I had never gotten around to watching Venom around when it first came out. So I watched Venom and that movie kind of sucked. So now like I'm not as excited for Morbius, but I'm still somewhat. But also my thing is like if that's getting pushed back to 2021, why is Venom 2 still slated to come out October of this year and isn't being delayed even though it's still in production, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm pretty sure they just started filming not that long ago because there were set photos of um, Woody Harrelson as uh, Cletus Cassidy put out not that long ago. And that just, like, that confuses me. And also, I just, like, there's a lot of movies that I know are, like, done. Like, they're done filming and they're just, like, they're in, like, the editing process or whatever that, like, I'm hoping don't get delayed. The main one being Cherry which is directed by the Russo brothers and it stars Tom Holland and it's about a guy who comes home from war in Afghanistan and because he can't find a job like there's no businesses offering like jobs for like veterans or whatever he instead starts a drug addiction and to fuel that he uh, goes on to start like robbing banks and it's it's based off a true story. It um the book that it's mainly based off of was written by the guy who like actually did all this stuff. His name's Nico Walker. But he like he never used I don't think he ever uses his actual name in the in the book. I haven't read the book, but I want to, like really bad. I would like to read it before I see the movie. But cuz there's like set photos of like the bank and like of like like name tags of like people and they don't actually use any real names like for the bank it just says shitty bank which i mean that's pretty funny to be honest because it's it's like it's an i i'm pretty sure he's narrating throughout the movie too so i think it's just their way of like avoiding using names but also explaining like why these things are like named this way because he's just like He's just giving, like, a lazy narration and, you know, giving, like, a big fuck you to, like, everything and everyone involved. And then, I'm trying to think of anything else there is. Oh, well, I know they said recently that Black Widow is apparently still getting a theater release. Like, for sure, like, 100% definitely still getting a theater release. But, like, I feel like Get, like, yeah, give it a theater release, but, like, put it on streaming. Like, put it on Disney+. Plus. Let fans watch it. And then, you know, let them, like, say whatever about the movie. Because it'll most likely be positive. Because, come on, like, Marvel's been on a banger of a track record. I don't think Black Widow's what's going to set Marvel on the decline from here on out. But just, like, put it on Disney+. Plus. Let who let the people that have Disney Plus see it, you know, put out their like own like personal reviews, and then everyone who doesn't have Disney Plus can, you know, when it finally comes out in theaters, and when we're finally allowed to go to theaters, they can go out and see it, and like you know, boost the box office numbers for it, and then like critics can see it, and you know, give their reviews, and then it's still fine, like it's you know everything still works out. It works out for Disney, for Marvel. For the fans, like, and like it get, I feel like Disney still gets a lot of stuff out of that because people are using Disney Plus to watch it. So it just doesn't make sense why they would hold off the movie for so long. Because we don't know when we're going to be able to leave our houses. We don't know when we're going to be able to, like, go out and see movies and just, like, go to parties or whatever. We're all just like, we're all stuck inside for now because just recently they said that the latest right now, or actually I should say the earliest, the earliest that the uh, quarantine rules could be lifted is April 30th. It was supposed to expire today. Like it was like we were supposed to be allowed to like go back outside and stuff today. But the fact that it has now been pushed back an entire month 
tells me that like we're not going anywhere until maybe summer which also brings up the topic of school see now my school where I go to where I live said that we like well my my state governor said that we were possibly going back April 17th, which doesn't make sense to me because I'm looking at my calendar now and that's a Friday. Why would we go back on a Friday? So I'm assuming that the discussion for going back to school would would take place on the 17th. And then if they said yes, we would go back on the 20th because that's the Monday after. But now that the quarantine rules and like us having to stay inside has been pushed till April 30th, I doubt we're going back to school, which I makes me feel like at some point they're just going to have to say, all right, school, like, because everyone has been doing online schooling, which is just the absolute fucking worst. Like, I hate it. It, listen, I don't, I don't want to be in the classroom. I don't want to go back to school and have to sit and look at my teachers in the face and learn from them when I don't want to learn any of what I'm learning but at the same time I don't want to do this online school bullshit because they give us all of our assignments like the beginning of the week and then expect us to have everything done by the end of the week it's like do you guys realize that we're not that like you're not the only teacher we're getting assignments from you can't just shove everything onto us and then expect us to have all of your work done It's just, it's not that easy. I get it. We all have, like, free time now. Like, we really all have, like, a lot of free time. But, like, we still, we, personally, we still have a lot of things to do. We all still have to take care of ourselves, you know, keep ourselves healthy, wash our hands, make sure we don't get sick. And, like, like, we still have to eat. We still have to, like, some people, there are people that have to do, like, chores around the house, like, what if there's someone that is not allowed to use any of like their devices or anything unless they do their chores? And they don't finish their chores until super late. So by the time they're done, they can't go onto their computer or their laptop or whatever to do their work because they're so tired and like, you know, worn out from doing their chores. Like this isn't this was not planned out thoroughly enough to the point where they thought it was going to work. For a long time. It's also not good on us. Because we're still young. So like being locked inside. Is not good for our mental health. Like I know I've been driving myself. Fucking crazy sitting in here. In my house. Like I I took a walk. At 5.30 in the morning. Yesterday. I. I was I like I just like. Could not st- Like I stayed up all night. And I was just like. This sucks. I'm getting tired. I'm getting frustrated. I need to go outside for a bit. So I I got, like, I literally put on entirely new clothes, put my hoodie on, put my shoes on, grabbed my AirPods, put in, put them in, listened to music, walked out the door, and walked around for, like, an hour. Like, I just walked around my block, but, like, still, I just, like, it. it felt so nice, and it just, like, I just felt a bit better afterward. And like now today, like I feel like mentally, I feel like shit again, which is not like, it's not easy to like keep up like a happy persona, like on the outside and like act like I'm okay all the time. It's, it's not that simple. And they have to like, I feel like schools have to realize that because I feel like by now, I feel like a mental health expert would have like stepped in and been like, Listen, I understand, you know, health and all that, but, like, this isn't good for young people and their mental health. Like, it, it's a different story when it's self-isolation. When it's self-isolation and you know that you have to be inside, like, personally for your own good, then absolutely yes. But if, if they're saying that, like, you should just stay inside and be cautious... But if we're still allowed to go outside, like, if it's not just, like, a strict, like, don't go outside or else you'll get arrested or some shit, then, like, why are you, like, why are why is the media painting it as if, like, we're on complete lockdown, like, 
bars over our windows and doors like we're in fucking prison. That's what I don't get. It's just like... When it comes to the whole school thing, I'm expecting them to just like call off school at some point. Like say school's done for the year. You pass with whatever grades you have in your classes right now and that's the end of that. Because this isn't our fault. Like why... Why should we be punished for, like, being inside and just maybe not, like, having the motivation or not being able to complete our work? Like, see, I I always complete my work in school because I know that I'm going to, that the teacher is going to ask questions about the subject and they're going to quiz us and test us on it. So, of course, I'm going to do all my work and get it done and have it ready when the teacher wants it ready. But the fact that we're not getting quizzed, we're not getting tested, like, what? Like, we don't need any of this information right now. Like, I I would much rather just, like, read my own books and just, like, learn shit on my own time, like, stuff that I actually want to learn, rather than, you know, analyze the, you know, the language of Shakespeare and, you know, the deeper meanings behind the ramblings of the characters in Macbeth like I don't fucking care about any of that because listen this is definitely going to be something that a lot of people don't agree with but uh I think Shakespeare sucks um and I'm not saying that just to be a person who's like oh I have a different opinion from any from everyone so that makes me cool no I genuinely think Shakespeare's work sucks and I because it's just none of it's interesting to me like like, the stories that have been told, like, since Shakespeare that use elements from his stuff, but, like, do it in creative ways, those are fun. Those are fun. Like, like stuff like West Side Story that takes Romeo and Juliet but sets it in, like, the 1950s, 1960s and uses, like, gangs instead of families. I would much rather watch West Side Story a hundred times than read Romeo and Juliet once because... Romeo and Juliet is one of the most boring love stories I think I've ever read. Because I had to read it in in my freshman year of high school. And I was, like, falling asleep half the time. Because I was just like, Jesus Christ, this fucking sucks. Like, how could people look at this and be like, ah, yes, this, this right here is the model example of, of literature and just language in general. I'm just like, huh? Are, like, do you hear yourself? Like... I just feel like, like, teachers that, like, think that, teachers that constantly praise Shakespeare and say that he is one of the greatest writers of all time, I feel like that's the most pretentious statement you could make nowadays, because there have been so many better authors out there. Like, I have so many books by so many better authors to read. Like, I have a shit ton of Stephen King. I have Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk. I have fucking um what is it not 1984 Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury like those are so much more better and interesting stories A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess that one's possible that is A Clockwork Orange is more Shakespearean than anything Shakespeare ever wrote because the language that they created for that book is not only one of the most creative things ever done for a book but also it's just like It's so interesting to read and try to decipher everything for yourself and try to, like, pick out, like, what word means what. Because it's all, like, a mix of, like, Russian, like, teenage slang, I guess. It's, like, stuff like that. And it's just interesting to, like, look at everything and read it through. And then, like, you kind of, like, go, like, as you're reading, you're, like, thinking in your head, like, okay, what does this mean? And then you read, like, the next few lines, and you're like, oh, okay, that's not what that meant at all. And you find out it's true meaning just through, like, subtext and context. It's, like, I find it so much more fun. Which, I have not read all of that book. I got through some of it, but then, like, I just kind of got sidetracked, so I never got to finish it. But I'm going to restart it. But that book's also really fucked up, I should mention. Like, there's a lot of, like, dark shit in that book. Which, you probably should wait until you're, like, you fully understand stuff like, 
sex and like rape and like you understand like just how serious stuff like like gang violence can be like when you're in that like age range which I'm 17 so like I you know I fully understand like stuff like that I'd say like anywhere from like 17 and up I would say read that book but if you're any because I feel like you could make the excuse for 16. I started reading the book when I was 16. No, no. I started reading the book when I was 15, actually. Because I saw the movie when I was, like, 14 or 15. And I had, for the longest time, when I was, as I was getting older, and I was, like, learning more about movies, anytime I saw a clip from that movie, I always said, like, I'm never going to watch that movie. It, like, it seems way too violent, way too fucked up. But the thing is, I only ever saw the scene where the uh, the gang of kids uh, beats the shit out of the guy in his house while one of them sings uh, Dancing in the Rain. Or not Dancing, Singing in the Rain. And like that was the only scene I had ever seen. And I, so I didn't know any of the other context of the movie. I didn't know just the absolute... And also, I didn't know it was directed by Stanley Kubrick. Because like... Had I known that earlier, I definitely would have watched it so much sooner. I would have watched it when I was like 11, to be honest. And while I may not have been allowed to, because there's, there is nudity in, in that movie, and they do show, I guess, they don't show it, but there is, like, instances of, like, rape. And there are, like, just normal, like, there is, like, one normal, I guess, sex scene. But it's just, like... Wow, that movie, like, that movie truly is amazing. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't know if I would say it's number one, because for me, number one is either a fight between that and The Breakfast Club, which those are, those movies are, like, complete polar opposites. But, um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're both great in their own right. They both have very interesting qualities about them, about, like, like, the cinematography of both is amazing. The line de- delivery, but just the performance by the actors in both in general are amazing because in A Clockwork Orange, everyone has a very exaggerated personality. So it's like you're meant to laugh at how they act, but at the same time, like, like it gives you a deeper understanding of what, of, like, what that character is and, like, who they are as a person. While The Breakfast Club is just very realistic in how it portrays like different teenage stereotypes but at the same time it takes those stereotypes and then breaks them down and then flips them on their heads like you have like your you have your jock kid you have your class princess you have your outcast you have your nerd and you have your bad boy you take those you put them all in a room for seven hours and just watch what happens watch how different they are by the by the time they come out of that and they do they they're they're like completely different people by the time that movie's over like two like four of them end up together like the jock and the outcast end up together and the bad boy and the school princess end up together because you as you follow the dialogue between everyone and you see them all like reveal more of themselves to each other it just it really shows you just how how much more there is to a person than they show on the outside and i think that's what movies should do when it comes to its characters i feel like if a movie can't take a character and break them down and show all of their layers then it didn't succeed in giving us a character that we care about. And I feel like that's what some people try to criticize like the Marvel movies for, but at the same time it's like like Martin Scorsese, like he was the one that started the whole like conversation of like the Marvel movies aren't quote unquote cinema, but his movies are like so many of his movies are like the same thing, like he made he's made so many gangster movies where he just uses like the same types of characters and that's not to say he's a bad director i'm just saying he 
I don't think he can say a movie is like a movie series is guilty of something when he himself is guilty of that very same thing. It's just really like hypocritical of him to do that. And he has like he he has made like one of my favorite movies of all time, The Wolf of Wall Street. Like that's another movie that's just like so, like that not only just like how fun of a movie that is to watch, but also just like how how it's based on a true story and that just makes everything seem even crazier and like more outlandish. Like the fact that there's a scene where an entire yacht gets decimated by like, what was it? It was like a, it was like a, a, a wave that was like higher than 50 feet. Like, I don't remember how exactly big it was, but the fact that that actually happened, that a giant wave in the middle of a giant thunderstorm took down a yacht, that, like, and they're, like, the fact that the only thing the character, like, some of the characters were focused on was just saving the drugs they had on board, like, that's, it's one of the most absurd things, and you'd expect that to happen in, like, in just a, a work of fiction, but it's not. It's real. It happened. There's there's evidence. Like I I have the wolf the book that the movie's based on, written by Jordan Belfort, the guy that all of this happened to. And like and I've seen like interviews uh that he's done talking about everything that, that happened. And I think it's amazing to me that like the the there's like small stuff that they um changed like just like the characters names obviously like except for Jordan Belfort's like they pretty much changed everyone else's names but the I think the one scene that like you would expect to be fake Oh, wait, I can't remember now. Shit. Um, I don't know. I, I'm definitely going to go back and watch uh, all three of those movies, to be honest. I might do it tonight, but they're all, those movies are all, well, I don't think The Breakfast Club is long, but A Clockwork Orange and The Wolf of Wall Street are definitely, like, very long movies. Because Wolf of Wall Street literally just barely hits the three-hour mark, and A Clockwork Orange is, like, two hours and 40-something minutes, maybe, so, but I mean, like, I think movies and music are, like, my two favorite things ever, just because I feel like I learned so much through just those two things, which I guess, like, I guess that's a common thing for people to say nowadays, but at the same time, not really, because, you know, the, you still have people who are just like, oh, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather read a book than watch a movie. It's like, yeah, I get that in some situations, like, if you're just, like, not, like, it. say you just, like, don't feel like you have any movies that you could watch, so you're just like, oh, I'll just pick up, you know, I'll pick up a book, you know, maybe, you know learn something from that, or reading an interesting story, but a lot of books, I just, like, I can't, like, I, I don't know if it's because it was, like, being, like, teachers in school trying to get me to read them, but, like, there are books that I've just, I just haven't gotten on board with reading, like, Great Gatsby, Catcher in the Rye, um, I think the only book that I really did make an effort to read, but couldn't, like, didn't get all the way through when it comes to uh, school was To Kill a Mockingbird, but I, ge- I genuinely think that from what I did read, which was a pretty good amount, it's it's a really good book. And I saw the movie. The movie is phenomenal. That's another one of my favorite movies. But, and I think probably my favorite book that I've ever had to read from school, but I just like, now I just like adore the book and the movie is The Outsiders. Like, again, another one of my favorite movies of all time. But the thing is with The Outsiders, if you're going to watch the movie, I would suggest finding uh, what uh, what it's labeled as the complete edition because 
the original version of the movie cuts out some of the beginning stuff from the book. And I think some stuff from like the ending. And then I think it cuts out a little bit of when Johnny and Ponyboy run away after killing Asosh. But um, the complete edition adds all that, all, like all those scenes back in. So it makes like, like if you watch that version of the movie, it's literally just the book. Just it's just the book, but visually, that's li- like I don't think I've ever heard of a movie doing a perfect adaptation of a book, like directly like that. Like if I'm, I'm like a hundred percent sure if you read the book and then watched the movie like back to back like you read the book in one sitting and then immediately after you hit play on the movie and watched it all the way through I don't think you would see a single difference between any versions like it it genuinely blows me away that that much care was put in by I think it was Francis Ford Coppola that did the movie like it and I feel like that shows that a director really cares about whatever project they're working on when they will get down to such details to get the movie completely right based on whatever they're doing it of. And I'm hoping that's how Cherry is because when it comes to performances, I 100% trust Tom Holland with how he's going to do in the movie because... Like, just as an actor and as a person, he seems like one of the best in Hollywood right now. And just just the way he plays Spider-Man and how he can, he can be, like, you know, a quippy teenage superhero from Queens. But also, like, he can get really emotional and, like, show a lot of emotion. And even, like, just through his eyes. Like, in the scenes where, like, Nick Fury is, like, in Far From Home, when Nick Fury's, like, questioning if uh, Tony Stark was right in picking Spider-Man to, like, like hand over his technology to. Like, just, like, Tom Holland's eyes in that scene after him and Mysterio fight off one of the elementals. Like, you just see just anger and, you know, um, sadness and anxiety all in his eyes just and it 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 blows me away every time I watch Far From Home and even when I watch uh Homecoming too because he he does a great job in that too with scenes where he finds out that the vulture is Liz's dad and um when he's pushing all of the rubble off of him to go after the vulture when he's trying to steal all of Tony Stark's stuff so I, I think he's going to kill it. Um, as far as like the movie itself, I think it's going to I think it's going to be a, a pretty good movie because they're saying. They're saying it's going to be put on Netflix, so I'll be able to I'll be able to watch it as many times as I want, if that's the case. Like I'm probably going to watch it over and over nonstop for days on end just so I can pick up on every little detail about it. And I, I feel like, because a lot I've seen a lot of people say this, on Twitter mainly. Um, I do think it's possible that Tom Holland could win some sort of award for his performance in the movie, just because of like, he already showed dedication in my opinion when it comes to his transformation for the movie, because like, he went like, down to a complete buzz cut. Like, he shaved all of his hair off. And then, like, I'm pretty sure he had to, like, lose, like, a substantial amount of weight. And then just, like, the photo that he, that they first released on his Instagram for, uh, like, when it came to, like, them shooting the movie, which is him pointing a gun at the camera. Just, if, like, getting a good look at him, like, in the background, like, his eyes, like, the makeup they've done on his eyes, like, makes him look like, really convincing as, like, a strung-out drug addict. And then, like, set like set videos and set photos came out showing him, like, wearing, like, a like a really, like, bad hairdo wig. Like, he had, like, uh, bangs going down, like, over his forehead. And just, like, the way he looked, like, it made him look just, like, 
like a shitty, like fucked up person. So I think just from how he looks alone and the fact that there were like onset stories of like him wanting to nail every, like every take and like every line. Like I'm just like surprised that he, he's gone like really all out. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure. And, uh, he, he's got a few other movies lined up too that I'm also looking forward to. Um, also, they, that are also based on books. Uh, he has Chaos Walking, which he's with uh, Daisy Ridley from the Star Wars sequel trilogy, and The Devil All the Time, which has Robert Pattinson, who's going to be Batman, and Sebastian Stan, who's Bucky in the Marvel movies. So I think, I think just in general... He's gonna, he's gonna, like, as an actor, he's gonna do great throughout his career. Because he's still young, he's 23, 24, I think. And, you know, just in general, I think, any movie that he does, because he said he also, when he, as he gets older, he wants to direct movies. I think even that, he's, because he's, like, just him working with the Russo brothers on Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame, and now Cherry, I think he's already learning a lot on, like, directing. Because he's, I could imagine he's, you know, he's someone that just, every every chance he can, he's asking them, like, about, like, what they're doing at the time, like, what the process is behind everything. So, I have full confidence in him to be a great actor, a great director, he also said that he's apparently writing a screenplay with his brothers uh, for a movie under, I think he, he said there's like they have their own production company, which I mean, come on, if he's, he, like he, he really is just trying to do everything. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if one day he did a movie that he's written, he's directed, he's produced, and that he stars in. Like it, like that's like, Tommy Wiseau from The Room, but it, it's going to be, you know, an actually good movie. Actually, no, I can't lie. The Room by Tommy Wiseau is a masterpiece, and if you haven't seen, I can't, I can't even say that with a straight, that movie is, oh my god, I don't even know how to describe that movie. It's, I have that on DVD, like I got that as a Christmas present from my uncle for, like, because I had been seeing memes about it just start popping up. Like, I don't know what... Oh, yeah, it was because The Disaster Artist, the movie that was made about the making of The Room, that was coming out, and I was just, like... I saw, like, I saw that that was coming out, and then, like, I was like, okay, I have to see The Room to understand what all of this is about. So, you know, my uncle got it for me, and I watched it a few times, and I was just like... Both times, I still couldn't understand what I just watched, and I still couldn't understand, like, I couldn't put it into words how, like, confused I was. But, you know, I ha I watch, sometimes I watch, like, weird movies just on my own. Like, like I don't know why, but, well, no, I do know why, because it's, it's my childhood treasure. I have been watching... Just every now and again, I will just randomly on Netflix put on The Cat in the Hat starring Mike Myers. Which also, I should mention, The Cat in the Hat and The Room came out in the same year, 2003, which is also my birth year. And just looking at the, like, just looking at those movies overall, they're, it is clear the budget difference in those movies. <laughs> just like, because for the time, like, movies... Like, for 2003, movies should, like, have the kind of, like, budget look that The Cat in the Hat does. And The Room just does not have that. The Room had a budget of, like, $6 million. I don't even know what the budget of The Cat in the Hat is, but I can assume it's, like, at least over $100 million Because I know the guy that directed it did a lot of set work for Tim Burton movies. So I could assume that, like, just knowing that, like executives were just like all right give him a good amount of money because he knows he clearly knows what he's doing when it comes to making his sets so just like 
give him all the money he needs for for the sets, and then, you know, give him the money for, like, props, stuff like that, you know, whatever. I, honestly, I need to look more into stuff like that, like, what budgets for movies go into, like, costumes, makeup, um, equipment, I guess, music, but, you know, Hollywood's, Hollywood's weird, um, it's also kind of, can be an exhausting industry, I imagine, you know, especially for the people that have to, like, like, write out paperwork constantly, and, like, for stuff like budgets, and, like, green lighting movies, and, like, keeping movies on track, but, you know, that's life for, you know, Hollywood people, that's life for actors, directors, producers, screenwriters, and that's, you know, they chose that route, so that's what they got to do to to make it in the world. That's what they got to do to be successful. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this episode here. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You know, I was able to get a bit more into stuff that I genuinely like talking about. You could probably tell just by how fast I was kind of talking. And sorry for any uh, breaks or, or like short, like few second breaks I took in between talking. Um, I have a bottle of water with me just so I don't, so I'm not talking and there's constant saliva in my mouth because, you know, talking for almost an hour straight isn't easy, you know, got to stay hydrated, especially now. So if you're not, you know, if you're washing your hands and you're keeping yourself clean, also drink a lot of water. That's another way to stay, you know, really healthy. Um, I know this is something that's obvious, but I only just recently started drinking water every day, which is very bad. I've been drinking soda for so many years now, and the damage is maybe f- fixable. I don't know. But only time will tell, so you know. But anyway, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's uh, music by Zach. Again, no spaces, no underscores, none of that. Just all one thing. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's ZachX1975. Um, and also, uh, if you want to, for whatever reason, go follow my TikTok because I have a TikTok, and yes, I do post on there a lot. Someone needs to stop me. Take my phone away from me, please. Uh, that's also music by Zach. Uh, if you're wondering why my Twitter is the only thing that doesn't have the same username, is because I tried that, and it was taken, music by Zach, and I'm kind of pissed about that. I kind of want to get in contact with whoever has that at, and see if I can maybe work something out with them, but for now, it's Zach X the 1975 but I mean, it's fine considering my Twitter is a the 1975 Stan account anyway, so it all works out. But uh, I will catch you guys uh, this weekend with a new episode, so you know, be on the lookout for that. And uh, I hope you guys all have a nice rest of your week and you know, days to come within you know the walls of our houses. Peace. <laughs>